chapter 11 and verse 37 is where we find ourselves. It's been several weeks uh, since we've been here. Uh, I had spoke out of town and then last Sunday we had our Reformation Sunday emphasis. And so after about three or four weeks, we now find our place back to Luke's gospel. And so let's look together here at Luke chapter 11, and we'll be completing the 11th chapter this morning, beginning at verse 37. I've entitled the message, The Marks of Legalism. The Marks of Legalism. The word of the Lord says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Now these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees. You love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Now, one of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. He should have never said that. So Jesus says, well, woe to you lawyers also. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Well, have you ever been part of an awkward dinner party? Maybe it felt awkward to you primarily because of the conversations that were taking place. I think there's been a few occasions 
In our lifetime, when Kathleen and I walked out of a dinner saying to the other, well, that was awkward. It seems very fitting to me to describe the dinner in our text the very same way. I imagine when it was all said and done that there were indeed several who walked out saying, man, that was awkward. You see, Jesus had been invited to the home of a Pharisee for dinner. Other religious leaders of the day uh, identified here as lawyers. They're also called scribes. It's a synonymous term. So when we think of lawyers, we're not talking about prosecutors and defenders. We're talking about experts in the law, scribes, lawyers. They're interchangeable words for us in our English Bibles. And so you have the Pharisees, you have scribes, you have lawyers, experts. They're all dining together with Jesus. Now, looking back from our vantage point, On the history of Scripture, you might think that an arrangement like that within itself is what made the dinner awkward. But that would not have been the immediate case. In other words, we hear the word Pharisee, and the first thing that most often comes to our minds is enemy of the gospel. Enemy of the gospel. But in that day... A Pharisee was largely respected, largely revered among the Jewish community. As religious leaders of the Jewish community, Pharisees were constantly calling people back to Scripture. They were constantly pleading with people to live by the Word of God and not to give in to the Roman cultural influence that had invaded them. The Jews considered the scribes and the Pharisees as the holiest of all the Jews. Think about it like this. Picture maybe in your mind right here where you sit this morning, a Bible teacher or two have meant a great deal to you in your lifetime. Spiritual leaders that you've learned from and looked up to, pastors and teachers who have greatly influenced you by their ministries. Maybe it's someone from your childhood. Maybe someone that you enjoy reading after. Someone who has been your pastor for a long period of time. Well, whenever you hear their name, it immediately evokes respect and admiration. Well, that's exactly how people thought of the scribes and Pharisees. These were people that were respected, revered, appreciated for their Devotion to the Bible. So Jesus is having dinner with these scribes and Pharisees, which I like to modernize for us as seminary professors and pastors. And immediately it goes south. And Jesus begins to speak to them in a very direct manner. And what he's ultimately confronting in them is the error of their legalistic ways. The error of their legalistic ways. Legalism, it's it's an important term that we understand. It gets thrown around and defined in so many different ways, but we need to understand it like this. Uh, Liberalism, liberalism is what we call taking away from the Word of God. Legalism is adding to the Word of God. Liberalism 
takes away from God's word. Legalism adds to God's word. Now, I personally think that they go together. It's hard to do one without the other. It's hard to add to the word of God without taking something away from it. And it's hard to take something away from it without adding something to it. Nonetheless, the idea is, is that the word of God itself is not sufficient. That's the heart of the issue. We often (coughs) teach in preaching that a preacher needs to stay on the line. If I draw an imaginary line across this platform, then I would plead with every preacher in this room that whether they get up in a Bible study group or in the pulpit, stay on the line. Stay on the line of Scripture. Stay on the line of Scripture. Don't drop below the line in taking away from it, and don't go above the line in adding to it. Your one job is to stay on the line. Nothing more, nothing less. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. But when we veer from the line, what we're saying is we need something more than what's already been given to us. So we add to, we take away. Well, legalism is the side that constantly adds to the Word of God. Legalism leans into the idea that a proper establishment of rules and regulations must be adhered to in order to be right with God. I like how Piper defines it. Piper says legalism is the conviction that rule-keeping is the ground of our acceptance with God. I find that this passage comes very familiar to us on the cusp of our Reformation Sunday celebration where we rehearse that the most important question of the Reformation, which is continuing to be the most important question of our life today, is how does a person get right with God? How does a person get right with God? Well, legalism says here's how you get right with God. Trust Jesus And make sure you do all this other stuff too. It's not enough to just trust Jesus. You got to do a bunch of stuff. And as long as you do a bunch of stuff, then maybe perhaps you've done enough to be right with God, to be accepted by Him. You see, the spirituality of a legalist is not motivated by the grace of the gospel. The spirituality of a legalist is motivated by performance. Now, I think we should leave my opening comments at that and review the text together because what we have here in this awkward dinner conversation is Jesus pointing out the marks of legalism, the error by which legalists keep people from understanding the true gospel. So I want us to list these marks as outlined for us by Jesus himself. And then we'll conclude by considering the answer or the remedy to a legalistic spirit. A spirit that if we are not careful can creep into any heart among us. So what are the marks of legalism? Number one, you see it in verse 37 and 38. Number one, they establish their own standards of holiness and evaluate others by them. A legalist establishes their own standards of holiness and they evaluate others 
by those standards. Let me say before we go any further that standards in and of themselves are not wrong to establish for your life personally. It's not wrong to have standards. I hope you have a standard of brushing your teeth every day. I hope you have a standard of taking a bath and washing your hair and so on and so forth. Standards are not wrong. In fact, there is plenty of scriptural instruction for us to have them. Not the least of which is Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, which commands us to make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, we need to develop around us a standard of living that prevents us from giving in to the desires of our flesh, desires that we all have, temptations that we all face. And this is not a time to illustrate maybe what those might be or to compare your boundaries with my boundaries and and vice versa. The, The point is, Scripture instructs us, you need to have boundaries. You need to have guidelines. You need to have standards that keep the flesh pure. The error is when we evaluate someone else's spirituality on the basis of the standards that we have set and not Scripture itself. So Jesus walks into this dinner party and immediately the Pharisees recognize that he doesn't go through the ceremonial washing of his hands prior to reclining at the table. They were astonished at this. Now, I need you to understand, especially you germaphobes among us, this is not an issue of hygiene, all right? That's not the issue here. What the Pharisees are astonished at is that Jesus didn't follow what they call ritual purity. Ritual purity. If you didn't wash your hands to the precise specifications that they had established and written up in the Mishnah, an extra-biblical source, then you were considered ceremonially unclean and impure. In fact, the Pharisees likened it to harlotry when you didn't do so. Now, I could take the time to read it to you, but it would bore you, and some of it wouldn't make any sense. Look it up for yourself. Most of you understand what Google is. But you can find that all these laws, which hand had to go in first and what you had to do with this hand while you're watching. I mean, the the minutia of it and and the burden of it, it was just ridiculous. It was not about having clean hands before you touch the bread. They were saying, if you don't do this, then your heart's not right. You're not pure. And that's what they judge Jesus for. Not something that had been written in the law of God. They judge him for something that they had established. And that's the problem with legalism. When we begin to judge and evaluate others on the basis of the standards that we have established, then we are putting ourselves in the place of God. A place we were never meant to be. And need I remind you what happened to Lucifer when he attempted to put himself in the place of God. One of the core 
trademarks of a legalistic person, a legalistic spirit, is that they establish standards of holiness that they evaluate everybody else by. If you don't do what I do, then you can't impossibly be as close to God as I am. Number two, they emphasize external behavior over internal reality. We're talking about the marks of legalism. They emphasize external behavior over internal reality. Verse 39, you Pharisees, Jesus now speaks up. You cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Again, this is trademark legalism, focusing on the outward appearance while ignoring inward holiness. Jesus tells them that while they focused all their time and energy making the outside look good, they have totally ignored the wickedness on the inside. Now, please do not misunderstand this. Jesus is not disregarding the outside. He simply tells them that they've got it out of order. It's the cleansing of the inside that is the actual key to keeping the outside clean. They had focused all their attention on how they looked and how they dressed and how they talked. But that had done nothing for them in the heart reality of who they were. In Matthew's gospel, in a similar conversation, Jesus looks at them over the same issue in Matthew 23, 26, and he says, you blind Pharisees. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the, all, that the outside may be clean also. You see, the true nature of God's work in a person's life is always first and foremost an internal work of the heart. It's why we see throughout Scripture men proclaiming to Jewish legalists to circumcise their hearts because they had thought the circumcision of the flesh, what they had done on the exterior, how they behaved on the outside, all that they had to do was make this right. No, 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 no. no. These prophets come along and they say, no, no, no. The problem is you focus so much on the outside that your heart's not even right with God. He gives them an example. Verse 42, woe to you Pharisees. You tithe, mint, rue, and every herb. And you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, they treated tithing as a cover-up for their lack of love and mercy toward others. Think about it like this. He's saying here that they tithe on every minute detail. Every minute detail. Every mint, every rube, every herb. I mean, they tithe on everything. But at the same time, they refuse to be loving and kind to those who are actually in need. By the way, tithing wasn't the issue. It's commanded. Look at the language of what Jesus was saying here. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. He's putting both of them on the same level. Sure, you should have tithed. I'm not telling you not to tithe. It's commanded. It was commanded before the law was given. Tithe. 
10% of what you have belongs back to God. But they took it to an extreme. They were only focused on the checks they were writing instead of the spirit that they had had toward other people. You can't pay God off. Drop 10% in the offering plate this morning and then go mistreat the waitress at lunch today. That's not how it works. That's legalism. It's Phariseeism. That's the point Jesus is making. It was their lack of love for other people that was the issue. No grace, no mercy, no compassion, but they sure did know how to write to the very scent a tithe of everything they've done. Then you come down to verses 47 through 51, and we see just how good the Pharisees are at paying lip service to the things of God, but in reality, they're completely hypocritical and disobedient in heart. Here they are in one breath praising the prophets that God has sent. In the other action, they're building tombs for them after their martyrdom. That's the danger of legalism, friends. It relegates spirituality to outward behavior alone. It relegates spirituality to outward behavior alone. And that's why for some of us growing up in legalistic environments, those discipleship courses we went through uh, didn't stick. Because for 10 weeks we came to a class that told us, do this, do this, do this, do this. But the heart was never transformed by grace. So we're talking about the marks of legalism. They establish their own standards of holiness. They evaluate others by them. They emphasize external behavior over internal reality. Number three, they love to be seen and recognized. They love to be seen and recognized. We're talking about legalists. Verse 43, woe to you Pharisees. You love the best seat in the synagogue. You love the greetings in the marketplaces. I think you could say it like this. They care more about what others think about them than they do what God actually knows about them. In fact, they care more about others thinking they are holy than they actually care about being holy. Back in Matthew 23, Jesus said of them again in a similar conversation, they do all their deeds to be seen of others. They do all their deeds to be seen of others. They do all their deeds to be seen of others. I mean, they're not going to witness to anybody unless they post it on Facebook and tell everybody that they have. They don't want to serve unless it's in a pulpit. They don't want to, you understand it, they, they love to be seen. In fact, they so much love to be seen that when they're not being seen, they're making a scene. <laughs> they want the best seats, the ones of honor, prestige. They want the best titles, one that carry the most authority and respect. I want to tell you something, friends. Self-adulation can be incredibly addicting. Do you know what I mean by that? Self-adulation. 
Self-adulation is an excessively high opinion of yourself. It can be more addicting than any narcotic ever offered to you. Applause and recognition and honor. It's why our feelings get hurt when we're not applauded. It's why our feelings get hurt when we're not recognized. It's why our feelings get hurt when we're not honored. Because we love to be seen and we love to be heard and we love to be recognized. And when we're not those things, we get in our corner and we pout. See, the truth of the matter is legalism is just another form of idolatry. Subtly, but idolatry. It takes serving God and makes it into serving me. Well, Jesus doesn't let up. He gives them a fourth one in verse 45. He says, they burden others with rules and rarely give grace. They burden others with rules and rarely give grace. Now, remember, we're at a dinner party. (laughs) It's easy to forget that. Sometimes when you're reading this conversation, you think, man, Jesus is standing up on some rock somewhere, and man, he's got his Bible open in his finger, and he's just wearing them out, son. He's wearing them out. But he's actually in their living room, sitting around the table as their guest, and he's wearing them out. I think you know why we've labeled this an awkward one. In baseball terms, Jesus is throwing strikes. So when we come to verse 45, I I cannot help but chuckle because up to this point, he's only been addressing one group of the religious leaders, the Pharisees. (laughs) So a scribe decides that he'd speak up. Verse 45, one of the lawyers answered him, teacher, In saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, well, woe to you lawyers also. Talk about a moment when you wish you would have just kept your mouth shut and not said anything. Now, you want in on this? I'll bring you in on this too. You're just as guilty. Let's talk about you for a little while. You load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burden with one of your fingers. Now, I think there's a lot being said in this one particular woe that we don't have time to dissect, especially about the oppressive nature of legalism. Instead of giving people joy and hope, legalism gives people burdens and misery. It's why I'll never be able to fully understand those who have been freed from legalism making decisions later to go back into such an environment? Why would you ever want to go back into that? That's what Paul said. You've been freed from that bondage. Why would you go back and get entangled in it all over again? Legalism is oppressive. They give you a bunch of rules and burdens that nobody could ever bear. Why would you go back? But the big message that I want you to see here is in the lack of grace and mercy that a legalist possesses. They load people up with burdens, and Jesus says they never even offer to help them. 
Heavy on rules, light on grace. Heavy on rules, light on grace. And then here's the fifth mark. And everything hinges on this one. Number five, they hinder people from truly knowing God and the heart of the gospel. They hinder people from truly knowing God and the heart of the gospel. Verse 52, woe to you lawyers. Think about this. Listen to what he's saying. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. And this is why, brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, Phariseeism and legalism is an outright enemy of the gospel. It hinders people. It actually makes it harder for them to know the word of God and the grace of his gospel. And the irony of this is that these scribes and these lawyers are the ones who are responsible to make God's word clear and understandable. But they have royally, royally failed. Instead of giving knowledge, they have taken it away. They're not only blind themselves, but they have blinded those who follow them. It's why it's so hard sometimes to get a legalist to see the error of their ways. They're, they're, they're blinded by performance. They're blinded by this innate desire to want to be more accepted by God than what they are. That's why Jesus called them in Matthew 23, blind guides. Blind guides. They'll not only lead you nowhere, but they'll get you in a lot of trouble along the way. In fact, in Matthew 23, Jesus said it like this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. I want you to envision for just a moment an open door. The door to the kingdom of God. And standing beside the door are religious people. Bible teachers. College professors. And right when people are ready to walk through this door, they slam it shut with their teachings and interpretations. And here's the tragedy. Verse 15 of Matthew 23 says, you make that person twice as much a child of hell. You ever thought about that? Twice as much a child of hell? In other words, he's saying they're already lost, which makes them a child of hell. But now they're religiously lost, which is the greatest lostness that there is. And this is why Pharisees and legalists are enemies of the gospel. They hinder people from knowing God. They hinder people from knowing grace. They hinder people from knowing the gospel. And they cause people to not only remain lost, but to become religiously lost. Surrounded by their rules and checklists, their outward performances and behavior, 
all the while, all the while, the heart, the heart has never trusted in the righteousness of Christ alone. Oh, sure, they'll sing songs of Christ being crucified. They'll sing songs of the day they called upon faith in Jesus Christ. But deep down inside, they believe that there's always a little bit more that they have to do. That Christ's work is never enough. And that's why to this day, some of us get so twerked out when someone doesn't look the way that we look when we come to church. Or somebody doesn't avoid the thing that we've avoided for 30 years. Or when someone does music differently than we do music. Whatever, fill in the blank. That's the problem with legalists. They have so many rules you can't even keep up with them anymore. And that's not what this is about. This is not me getting on my tangents about a bunch of legalistic things. What I am here to tell you is that God's word is sufficient. And the righteousness of Christ is enough. It's enough. It's enough. I am not saved today because I prayed a prayer and then I checked off a bunch of other boxes along the way. That's not what makes me accepted by God. I'm not accepted because I'm carrying the right Bible or wearing the right clothes or all these kinds. I'm accepted because I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. Enough. And do I have standards? Absolutely. I'm such a good-looking guy that it's hard for me to be alone with other women. No, no, no. You, 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 if you see me riding down the road with another woman by myself, I'm either dying and they're rushing me to the ER or I'm doing something she don't know. Now, I'm not saying that if you do, you're not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I got standards that I live by to protect my flesh because I know the corruption of my flesh. So this is not, go live it up, do what you want to do. That's not what Jesus is condemning here. He's condemning those of you who think you got to put it all on on the outside in order to be accepted by him. You can do that all day long and still not be accepted by him. All of us face the temptation to let the spirit of legalism develop in our hearts. All of us do. All of us do. And it's hard for me even sometimes not to be legalistic toward the legalist. I, let's just be honest, right? Let's just be honest. I look at sometimes out there. I, I had to unfollow some pastors this week because of the ridiculous spewing of, of CRAP coming out of their Facebook post because my kid dresses up as Spider-Man and goes and gets me white chocolate Reese cups on October 31st. But you know what? You know what? You know what's a struggle for me? It's a struggle for me not to be pharisaical toward those Pharisees. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I'll find myself developing the same exact posture and demeanor toward them that Jesus is condemning also. 
So what does that make all of us? Well, it makes all of us a bunch of sinful, legalistic Pharisees who need to find the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm on a lot of meds, and so none of that was in my notes. I realized that my depression meds and and my flu meds uh, were not supposed to be taken together for the last three days, and I did it anyway. And so if anything did not come out or was spelled inappropriately, or you're going to have to apologize to your kids, honestly, it's not me, it's the meds. But church family, legalism is not just a threat out there. It's a threat in here. And here's what I find incredibly fascinating. Is that Jesus addressed the issue of Phariseeism more than he did the issue of demonic behavior. There's only one answer to any of this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, are you heavy laden? Are you overburdened by rules and requirements? Come to me. And I will give you rest. I'll give you rest from that guilt you feel like that you always have to be performing to please God. I'll give you rest from that self-reliance you have depending on everything that depends upon me. And I'll give you rest from that legalism in your heart. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, Jesus said. I'm lowly. And if you'll come to me, you will find rest for your souls. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the glorious picture of the gospel. Everything that the Pharisees and the lawyers were putting on the people, Jesus says, you just come to me and I'll take all those burdens off. That burden of always wondering. That burden of always wondering, am I really doing enough? And that's why Jesus' burden is so light. Because he has done everything required. He has done everything required for God to accept you. Do you know why legalism misses the gospel? Because it misses Jesus. I pray, friend, don't follow the rules and miss Jesus. Come to Jesus and learn of the easiness of carrying his cross. Let's bow our heads together for prayer.